Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello, welcome. Welcome to the program. We made it. It's Friday. <laughs> March 8th. And we made it through the the polar vortex again. And we're um, heading into a weekend. And the world's somehow looking brighter to me, even though it's cloudy out there. So um, no guests today, just just me and you. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the big news, I don't know the big news. How does one rank these things? Uh, but I would say the big news, the one that caught my eye, and it, it takes more to catch one's eye these days. The one that caught my eye was uh, the sentence Paul Manafort got, beyond belief. <laughs> I just, I, uh, beyond belief. Everybody was saying he'd get like 20 years, maybe more. He got less than four, and because he's been jailed, not by this judge, but by the D.C. judge, the Virginia judge. Um, I think, she, didn't she jail him for, because he she said he tried to tamper with it. This, this guy is a, is such an extraordinary lowlife. And the fact that he got this judge, by the way, a Reagan appointee, um, it's, it's mind-boggling. Um, I, uh, he was charged with more than two dozen felonies. He had hid, hidden millions of dollars from, uh, from the IRS, I guess, essentially. Uh, uh tax evasion alone should have, uh, cost him more jail time. So there is no way to look at that sentence in any and and get any other uh, lesson from it than if you're a powerful white male, a rich white male, there's a different justice system for you and different punishments that are meted out. Um, and I, I mean, y you don't you don't even have to be on, on on Twitter to to know that the discrepancy in how poor and uh, people of color are treated in 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 the courtroom uh, as opposed to uh, wealthy white men. Uh, let me let me get some. There's there's attorneys all over the place, especially public defenders, that are going nuts uh, on Twitter and and saying, "I just represented a client the other day, uh, for instance." Uh, let me get some of these. Okay. Um. Here is a lawyer saying that for simple possession of a firearm, this guy uh, got uh, three and a half years. So the same. For a simple possession of a firearm. Didn't shoot anybody. I guess he had it and he didn't have it registered to him. He does the same time as, as Manafort. Um, 15 years for drug possession. I mean, people get sent away for unbelievable amounts of time for drug possession, for trying to sell a drug. Um, I'm looking at a picture of a, a woman, young woman. She is Hispanic. She has six children. And um, 
she's doing 15 years for a crime that is not even a felony in, uh, in the state of Oklahoma where she was convicted and sentenced. Her 18-year-old boy is now raising his five younger siblings. That is, uh, there's the extraordinary case of a, a black woman who was jailed for five years for voting, <laughs> for voting in an election when she was absolutely ignorant of the fact that she was not allowed to vote because um, of a prior conviction. And this is where people who have already paid uh, their dues, uh, served their sentences, uh, and then get out are told that they are essentially non-citizens now and are not allowed to vote. That is a despicable uh, voter suppression um, effort uh, designed, of course, to hit mostly um, black people. And it's one that was just uh, overturned in, in Florida, which is move in the right direction. This woman who voted after, she was on probation, and she did not know. She goes and votes. Somehow she's caught. She is sentenced to five years for voting. Paul Manafort, with all of these felony counts and convictions, he's not going to serve more than he's not going to serve more than three years given that he's been sitting in the jail. Now, you can only draw one conclusion. And uh, I would not argue that jail sentences be made longer. I would argue that these draconian uh, sentences for people of color, especially around drug issues, but apparently voting as well, just are disgusting, immoral. So, here's one, 16-year-old Khalif Browder was jailed for three and a half years before he was convicted of anything. This was pre-trial. He couldn't pay his bail. He apparently, the charge was that he had stolen a backpack. He finally gets out and he commits suicide. Uh, here's another interesting fact. Last year, the same judge, Judge Ellis, sentenced a 37-year-old black man to 40 years for dealing meth. Uh, and at that time, the judge said, hey, I'm I'm just following these uh, these these uh, these sentencing guidelines. <laughs> what am I to do? I'm just so he fi if it's a black guy in front of him, he follows them to the letter of the draconian law. If it's a white guy that he identifies with, he and Paul Manafort, you know, could well you know, travel in the same circles, know the same kinds of people. He, he yeah, yeah, he can identify and thus probably sympathize more with Paul Manafort. Incredible. So it, all of this just makes me <laughs> want to focus and, and have us remember to focus. Good God, 
you know, I keep thinking of what are the issues that could bring uh, Americans together? I'm just asking. Can you think of any issue that could conceivably bring fractured America together? And I thought of, you know, if there was some law that we'd get together probably on our love for dogs. <laughs> I think dogs could bring us together that ever comes up. Um, but I would think that the obvious glaring discrepancy of our justice system, the fact that the laws only seem to apply to people with no power, and if one has power or privilege, they do go together the rules don't seem to apply. I want to, let's just talk about something that goes, this drives me crazy, the injustice of it. This to me is a major issue. The number of lives ruined, ruined forever. And at the bottom of this is classism, classism, and racism, without a doubt. Let's stop and think. You get a traffic ticket, or like me last year, you go to get, your, get in your car after the show and your car's not there. You call the cops, you think it's stolen. The cops then inform you, uh, it's not stolen, it was towed. Toad? Yes, toad because you were in an illegal... I said, I parked in that same spot for like 7,000 times. I've never been ticketed. I, it is totally a legal place. I cannot believe... I mean, I was totally innocent. The ticket, and I forget now, the, in order to retrieve my car, it cost me well over $100. I forget... Now stop and think. I have, and I can get at, you know, bang. Oh, oh God, I need $180, damn it. Well, I can get it. A lot of people can't. So there goes your car. Without a car, maybe there goes your job. Looking further at the ticket, assuming your car's gone, and your job's gone, you see that the actual fine on the ticket is something like $35, but there's something called costs, which add like another $170, <laughs> well beyond the fine. And so, you're being told you pay this, okay, beyond your car. And meanwhile, you're totally innocent on top of it. In Pennsylvania, and I doubt we're alone, there is no a court that says you owe us $300. And the defendant, could be you, with your car in the pound, the defendant says, I don't have $300, Your Honor. Well, guess what? A judge at that point could put you in jail. Now, you'd have to be a real son of a bitch, right? Especially if someone literally cannot, doesn't have the money. It's a traffic citation. But in Pennsylvania, judges have the authority to jail people who can't pay, and oh boy, they do. They do. 
every single county in the state has its own methods and its own guidelines of who goes to jail, who doesn't go. In terms of collecting court debts to the court, there is no standardized anything in this state. So every county has different things going on, and it gets more absurd. Each of the 60 courts of common pleas and then the more than 500 district justices, the magisterial district judges, you know, those little guys who have a courtroom in your neighborhood, maybe, those guys decide on their own whether or not somebody's going to be jailed or whether, if they're human, they will maybe work out some kind of a payment system so you don't get jailed for being poor. The uh, Pennsylvania ACLU decided to do research. And what they found is sickening. There are literally thousands of people not convicted of a damn thing who are jailed every year across Pennsylvania solely because they have not paid fines, court costs, things like that, because it's not like they're saying, I ain't paying that. That's not why they're not paying. They can't. Oh, maybe they could scrape it together, but then they wouldn't pay their rent, and then besides losing their job because they can't get their car out of the pound, now they'll be maybe evicted. Huh? We hear Americans live paycheck to paycheck. We hear that an extraordinary amount of Americans cannot handle an unexpected bill or, you know, a, a crisis requiring some money of even $400, right? Their whole world collapses. Those little magistrate courts, I've been in one of those, those little magistrate courts, where the guy sitting on the bench might be your next-door neighbor, a guy you go to church with, or a friend. They alone jail at least 3,000 people a year. Because they can. Uh, the ACLU thinks all of this is unconstitutional, and uh, I would agree. Debtors' prisons? Do you remember, like, reading a Dickens novel and there's always some poor family, the whole family is living in a prison, a debtors' prison, because they're poor and they can't pay. And I remember as a kid reading that and thinking, what? I mean, my God, how awful, how horrible, how... How American. How Pennsylvanian. It's what's going on here. When you drive by the our beautiful lakefront, I always call it lakefront, riverfront jail, it always makes me sick. I, I can't stand going by it because the majority of people in there have not been convicted of anything. That's a debtor's prison. In 1973, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania issued a decision which actually prohibited the courts from automatically jailing defendants if they failed to pay. 
It took 10 more years until the U.S. Supreme Court reached the same conclusion in a case called Bearden versus Georgia. So tell me, how is this still going on? It is against federal law. It is against Pennsylvania law. It is illegal for a court to jail a defendant who isn't paying the court because they don't have the money. Poverty, apparently, is a bigger crime than colluding with the Russians to undermine our democracy. Poverty is criminal here in this country. We jail. It's hard to get through your head. We jail thousands upon thousands. I'm just talking about this state. How is that not a bigger issue? Because we're not in jail, right? That's right. Because we're not. And Barbara points out another thing that, that should be so illegal. It's beyond belief. These places make me crazy. If you are strapped for cash, the same population that ends up being jailed because they don't have money, they go to those payday lenders, right? Now, if you live in a better part of town, you don't have such storefronts, but drive into a less uh, tony part of town, and then you start seeing them. They prey on the poor. Oftentimes with payday loans, the rates are much higher than any loan you'd ever take out. And before it's all over, you can end. The business model of these lenders is you trap the people with these high interest rates. Because it's not like they're going to all of a sudden have access to more money the next week or the week after. They just keep digging a bigger and bigger hole. So they come back and take out another loan so they can maybe pay off that loan. And, pay, and they get them that way. The average loan time in these places is two weeks. Like they're going to have a windfall in two weeks. A rich aunt they didn't know is going to die and uh, leave them some money. These loans cost 400% annual interest, APR, if not more. 400%. This is what the poor end up paying. They don't have a bank account. How is that legal? It seems to me, did I not read somewhere that the Republicans just somehow saved these payday lenders from some uh, something that was going to sort of tamp down uh, what they were able to do? Oh. Okay, uh, and, and, and just because it fits into the general, two things that fit into this general thing. I, Wall Street Journal the other day had, um, had a front page story headlined, Opioid Maker Explores Filing for Chapter 11. And it's a story about the people who gave us Oxycontin, Purdue Pharmacy, Purdue Pharmacy. Pharma, I think it's called. These are the people responsible for literally taking the lives <laughs> of thousands of people. These are murderers. They are. 
But, you know, we don't do white-collar crime. White-collar crime is perceived as, uh, well, <laughs> it is doing business. This, you know why they're seeking Chapter 11? So that all of the states, cities, counties that have sued them because they're dealing with the resultant human crisis created by their product. They want to declare Chapter 11 because then, apparently, they can't be sued. They're protected. And here's the thing. They don't have debt. Why do you declare bankruptcy? Because what? Because you're in debt up to your eyeballs, right? These guys don't have any debt, according to this article. <laughs> they don't have any debt. They're using the bankruptcy uh, laws to get away from under the, all the lawsuits against them. Because when we write laws, when Congress legislates in this country, they're legislating to protect fat cats. There's always a loophole for them. It says here that if they file for bankruptcy, that would immediately halt the thousands of lawsuits. And it would be turned over to a bankruptcy court. This should not be legal. But this is the rich people. This is how our justice system works for the rich. Can you imagine a poor person being sued for some reason, declaring bankruptcy to avoid somehow legal jeopardy? I mean, I don't think the laws are meant to work for that person. And one more item in this incredible divide now in this country between the rich and the rest. The city of Philadelphia has passed a law against... Uh, against the Chamber of Commerce's wishes, against uh, a whole bunch of other uh, business interests. And listen to what the law is. The law says that if a business in Philadelphia refuses to take payment in cash, they will be fined. Hensel, uh, Philadelphia says that increasingly stores in the city are refusing to take money. We, I talked about this earlier. And now here we have a city that says that is discriminatory against who? The poor because it is they who operate in cash. It is they who have no plastic. They don't have credit cards. They don't have debit cards. They don't even have a bank, okay? They pay more for everything. They who have the least amount of money. Because that's the way it works in this country. And that's obscene. So Philadelphia passed a law said, uh-uh. And there's exemptions. Oh, there's always exemptions. So there's plenty of places that'll still be able to get around, but those are places that poor people probably can't be in anyway. Amazon came out against this. Amazon has raised concerns about the bill because Amazon says it was considering opening... Um, a bunch of grocery stores around the country and they will be cashless. They won't even have the ability to deal with cash. 
Roughly 29% of American adults say they make no purchases using cash. And those are people, it's way higher th with people who have an income over 75000 It is people who have no money that still rely on money. Okay, that's my, my rant of the day. I just, you know, you wonder when people will have had enough. And we see these eruptions. The Tea Party was an eruption on the from the from the right. You see the eruptions on the left now a bit. You know Americans are angry, but nobody has managed to articulate this in a way that somehow speaks to people, despite what tribe they have found themselves in. Okay, um, there's a, and little Tony's reminding me of this story. Yeah, I saw this story and thought, what? Have you, you heard about the story about our, uh, the county um, controller, Allegheny County controller Chelsea Wagner, who spent the night in jail in Detroit? Uh, not last night, Tuesday night. We're finding out about it now. And it is a bizarre story. And I think it has something to do with racism. Hmm? Isn't that a shocker? Here's what the Tribune Review is reporting. There was an altercation in, with police in the hotel where she and her husband were staying. They had gone to Detroit to go to a concert by the Detroit Symphony that was featuring uh, a rap star. Um, and they traveled to Detroit to do this. They said it was their sort of belated Valentine's Day uh, celebration. Chelsea Wagner is a white woman, the way we categorize people, and uh, her husband is a black man. Apparently, they go to the concert. I've seen some pictures of happy, them being very happy at the concert. I think that somebody took a selfie. And then they went back to the hotel, and Chelsea was tired. And she said, well, I'm, I'm going to bed. And her husband said, I, I don't want to. I'm going to stay down here. Probably went in, who knows. He said he'd stay in the lobby. Maybe he went into the bar, had a drink. Who the heck knows? I don't know. What I do know is that he was in the lobby. Then he goes uh, finally to go to his room, and he realizes he doesn't have, uh, you know, the the key. Essentially, I'll call it a key. It's a card. That, um, and so I guess he goes down to the lobby again, as anyone would, and says, "I need the key to room blah 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 blah." And they check that room, and they say, it's, I'm sorry, that is a room you are, what is your name? And his name was not on, like, the registration. Because Chelsea must have, you know, done the registration. So her name was, his name was not. They're different last names. And they wouldn't give him... A key. He tried to call Chelsea on their cell phone. She didn't answer. The, I guess they tried to call her from the hotel lobby as well on the on the phone in the room. She must be a hell of a sleeper. She didn't hear that either. And what ended up happening was somehow the police got called. And eventually she was awakened, Chelsea, from her sleep by not 
hard knocks on her door, and this was at 1 a.m., and when she opened the door in her pajamas, she sees police and her husband handcuffed. The police told her that they were taking her husband and that he had attempted to access her room. Um, obviously, she went ballistic, I think, is what must have happened. Here's where stories start to diverge, right? Uh, the police says she, uh, I think, uh, you know, maybe touched a cop or something. The cop uh, says, uh, th you know, that he didn't. Uh, Wagner says an officer grabbed her and threw her on the ground when she attempted to get into the elevator with her husband and them. Uh, her attorney says that she has a bruised wrist. Uh, the uh, police say that Chelsea Wagner grabbed the officer's jacket. She was interfering with them. She tried to block the elevator. The officers were being very polite, the cops say. And at some point, she grabbed the officer, according to the police, and he pushed her off him. She started to fall. The officer tried to break her fall because he didn't want her to be injured. That's what the police are saying. They took her to jail, too. Her husband was released, didn't really go to jail, but she ends up in jail for the night. No charges apparently filed against either, and they returned to Pittsburgh the next day after Chelsea was let out of jail. What's the... What's the the one thing that doesn't seem to make sense here? I mean, would that have happened to... <laughs> I'm sorry. That wouldn't have happened to me. I have forgotten my card. I have gone to the desk and said, can I have a key to room blah, blah, blah. I forgot my card. They give it to me without even blinking. They don't even check. But then I'm not a black man. Trying to go to bed while black. And you saw the latest one. Uh, picking up trash in your own yard while black. That's another uh, most recent case. You know, guys, I've said it before. I will say it again. If I had been born a black person in this country, I would not have made it to where I am now in terms of, in every, in every way. I don't think I'd be alive. I have trouble dealing with authority, always have. I'm, I don't think I'd be alive. I would be filled with such anger. And I think a lot of r white racists feel the same way, which is why they're sc they're scared to death of black people. Is where their where their racism really is coming from, because they figure, man, I I don't know. Is that where some of it comes from? I think, like, if I were them, I'd sure want to kill me. I don't know. Let's talk about something happier. From today through March 30th, that would be the end of the month, so all of March, there's a thing going on with a lot of restaurants in town where you can get a special multi-course dinner for a set price. The price will never be higher than $39. Um, and it will be multiple dishes from the restaurant's menu. All the restaurants are putting, uh, you know, together um, their offerings. And 
there's a ton of restaurants. There's so many restaurants in this town now. I don't know half. I used to feel like I knew the restaurants in town. I don't anymore. Anyway, here's what you want to do. Go to taste30pgh.com. Taste 30. Goes to March 30th. The meal will probably cost you about 30 bucks. Taste30pgh.com. And you'll see the restaurants that are doing it. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'll give you a few here. The Lamont is doing it. Um, Spork is doing it. The Carlton is doing it. The Twisted Frenchman. Paris 66. Uh, Eliza PGH. Is that that, bu- is that that place in Homestead that I went to once, a steakhouse? I don't know. The Vandal? Revival on Lincoln? Have you heard? I haven't heard of these restaurants. Carmela's Plates and Pints? Anyway, go to Taste 30 PGH, okay? Um, I'll, I'll remind you of that uh, every once in a, a while. I'm just blown away by this uh, story. Okay. Aaron says, I, he read the story on Chelsea Wagner in the Post-Gazette. I have not seen that. Uh, he says, it's really bizarre. Um, I'm surprised, he says, to find that the attorney representing her, I was too, <laughs> the attorney representing Chelsea is no none other than Heather Heidelbaugh, who's my nemesis. I See, I told the story without mentioning her name because uh, I... Um, Heather Heidelbaugh uh, and I used to do nightly battle on the uh, public TV station here um, on Fridays. Um, you know, end of the week thing. She from the lunatic right and uh, me from the rational left. Um, yeah, Aaron says, I'll never forget how close Heather brought me to stroke-level blood pressure <laughs> on that show, that show strangely called 4802, right, which was the address, 4802. Yeah, you think it brought you to stroke level blood pressure. That's why I finally quit. I quit it. I couldn't do it. I thought, Friday night, you know, we're like, today's Friday, right? And I feel like, wow, so excited. Friday night, having friends over for dinner, blah, 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 blah. And back in those days, I used to think, oh, God, it's Friday night. I got to go and do that damn show and be driven mad. So I did eventually quit. Uh, But yeah, as Aaron says, well, it's okay now. Let her unleash her nasty on the Detroit Police Department. Yes! I'm behind you on that one, Heather. Go for it. (laughs) Oh, Kathleen says about my rant about the rich and the poor the crime of being poor in the United States. Uh, The worst crime, according to Republicans, I think. She says, you are right about all of this. Keep ranting. Rant every day. Something has to bring this inequality to a screeching halt. Well, my rants won't do it. My rants are nothing but hot air. They won't do it in as much as they might light a fire under somebody else who will do something. That'll be good. You know, pe- I don't know. People are starting to turn their. You know, the f- I think former Republican columnist for the New York Times, David Brooks. I don't know. I don't think he's a Republican anymore, is he? Couldn't be. Uh, has a piece in the Times today in which he makes the case for reparations for African Americans. And. He says everything he's seeing and everything, how race just keeps, has made him start to reconsider. And he says, he says this, I've been traveling the country for the past few years studying America's divides, the urban-rural, red-blue, rich-poor, There's been a haunting sensation the whole time that is hard to define. It is 
that the racial divide doesn't feel like the other divides. There is a dimension of depth to it than to the other than the other that the other divides don't have, excuse me. And the racial divide, he says, is more central to the American experience. And then he goes on to You know, he's a, he's a man who, uh, uh, you know, thinks a lot. I, he drives me crazy because he thinks a lot, and then he puts together columns that I find dull. But he's a good man, and he's a man who struggles trying to be better. And I'm blown away that he gets to the point where he says, you know, what we, what this country has done, to African Americans and he says to Native Americans because those are the two those are the two groups that didn't choose America. Well, I guess the Native Americans did. They were here before us, but we almost wiped them out. Ran them off their land. And they still have not recovered. black Americans were brought here as slaves. And then even after we supposedly freed them, we still haven't done right. And they still are struggling from the hundreds of years of the immorality and sin that has come to them. I, you know, I've always said it is our original sin, and we are just re absolutely reluctant to look at it. So here you have David Brooks saying, you know, I, I really think maybe reparations is the right thing. And he said he, he had read um, uh, Tanahisi Coates' uh, article, The Case for Reparations, five years ago. And he said when he read it then, he said, I read it, I understood what he was saying, but I was, you know, he said I was finding all kinds of practical objections to it, you know, which is what I have done too. You know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? What, you know, what about like recent African immigrants? They wouldn't get money, right? Would they? Or, or I mean, should Oprah get some money? Should LeBron get some money? What about poor whites? who through no fault of their own, even given their skin color, blah, blah, blah. And he says, but you know what? Bull on all of that. He says, I have had so many experiences over the last year. Sitting, for example, with an elderly black woman in South Carolina who was literally shaking in rage because the children in her neighborhood, she felt, faced greater challenges than she did growing up in the 50s in this country. And he says, what I see suggests that we are at a moment getting really close of make or break racial reckoning. I don't think this country is up to rising to it. We've seen now how racist a huge percentage of us are. He says, we're a nation coming apart at the seams. He quotes... Uh, Tanahisi Coates um, from that book and says this. He says this part is like what really gets me. Coates says, has said this, and so we must imagine a new country. Reparations, 
by which I mean the full acceptance of our collective biography and its consequences. Reparations is the price we must pay to see ourselves squarely. What I'm talking about is more than recompense for past injustices, more than a handout, a payoff, hush money, or a reluctant bribe. What I'm talking about is a national reckoning that would lead to spiritual renewal. Yeah, if we're up to it. Hmm. So, God, I hope I haven't depressed you as much as I've depressed myself. Um, it's just, it is what it is, huh? Uh, I just want to see if I have anything else here. I'm avoiding the um, the hot subject right now, and God knows it's hot. I'm avoiding it because I I need to get my thoughts a little more together, but it has to do with, of course, the resolution passed in the House and Ilan Omar, uh, who both my sister and I gave a pass to um, with her things about it's all about the Benjamins. I'm less inclined to give a pass to her now, frankly, because her, her latest remarks suggesting that uh, Jews, um, and this is one of the things that have gotten Jews killed and expelled from countries for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, is that we don't belong and we do not really have allegiance to a country. And before the state of Israel, that was not, they couldn't say, oh, you care about Israel more than you care about the United States. I mean, Jews were driven out of countries left, right, and center, and there was no Israel, so that wasn't it. But they were driven out because the charge was always the same, that they were somehow unassimilatable. And they were talked about you know, in this cartoonish way. And as I said before, I mean, anti-Semitism, people who think it's, it's about the Holocaust are out of their minds. That's not what it's about. It's been going on. I mean, it's going on a thousand years before the Holocaust. It's the oldest conspiracy theory still going strong. And a lot of Jews... Um, are you know it's like gaydar you know people I, I know it when I see it I know it when I hear it I do and I've heard it from people I even consider friends and I cannot tell you how it hurts me I don't wanna I this is something and see I'm inarticulate about it now but I am and I'm not alone I'm uh, increasingly, truly concerned. Because I've never seen it in my lifetime as overt as it is right now and as sort of constant. And the, the staying power of it is just amazing. And I know the left doesn't see Jews as a minority group as one that deserves, you know, their constant tolerance and care because we are perceived as so successful. We're not struggling. We're white, most of us. But, you know, the German Jews were every bit as assimilated as the American Jews are here now. They held high positions in the public sector, in the private sector. They were war heroes. 
and bang, like that. <laughs> the oldest conspiracy theory caught up to him. So I just want to say, I, yeah, I, I worry much about my um, look. I don't talk about Israel much because it makes me crazy. I hate Benjamin Netanyahu. I hate the Likud party. I hate those ultra-religious creeps on the, in, in the West Bank. I hate all those. I hate it. But I don't hate that country. I hate their government. You know, you hear a lot of Europeans say that or other people in the world say that about us. If you travel outside the U.S., I like the American people that I know, but your government. So here I am not wanting to talk about it, and now I'm talking about it, and I've got all of four minutes left. Um, whatever. I Okay, I've got two callers. Sorry. Go ahead, caller, but we, we're almost out of time. Hello. Hello. Oh, I didn't know if I was on for. Yeah, you are. You are, but we got to make it quick. Oh, okay. Um, I'll make it quick. I was just say you had a great show yesterday. Great talent there. But uh, what I was going to say is this Manafort thing. The uh, thing he's going to have next week. Don't you think even after that, there's going to be more tentacles uh, tied into Mueller, where there's going to be more time he's going to spend in prison because yeah. it, it's never ending. So to act like this is all he's going to get, I think in the end he's going to be—he's going to die in prison. Well, That's my opinion. Well, I think he definitely will. The uh, yes, the judge um, who he will face next week for sentencing and other <laughs> other crimes he's committed. Um, yeah, she ain't going to be. I think it's a she, right? She's not going to be so lenient. But it's what this judge yesterday did that shines a light on how rich people can get by where no one else could. So, yeah, he'll get more time. Yes, he will. But it's still, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. To hell with him is all I can say. To hell with him. Okay. Thank you for the call. Uh, great show yesterday. Oh, thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, hello, caller? You still there? Hello. 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 Hi. I was just hi. I was just wondering where I've never heard anybody on the left refer say that uh, Jews were not a minority. Where do you hear that? Oh, I mean, well, technically they would say, of course, we're a minority. We're uh, you know less than one percent of the population. We're much more, in that regard, well, we're yeah. much more in a, a minority than than blacks in that. In, but that's not no. I'm right. saying that the left's how the left's heart goes out to marginalized communities. They never would include Jews in that because we're white and we're successful. Yep. But we are a minority with a history uh, that no one would want to trade. A history of being killed, beaten, kept out of, uh, you know, professions, universities, uh, up until, I mean, in my lifetime, I, when I went to Northwestern University, I was part of the first class that didn't have a Jewish quota on it. That, I mean, this kind of thing is not new. So I'm just saying, the left cannot see a Jew as in any way beleaguered because of our there whiteness are, there and are, our success. There are no, a fair I'm, number of Jews on the left, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Always. So I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I have, you know, never, ever, ever heard anyone express what you're saying. But you, okay. you do say well, that regularly. Okay. Well, trust me. Take it to the bank, okay? Well, I mean, As I'm a member of the left myself, how do I not know how they're thinking? As a person who reads and stuff, you haven't seen how Jews have been sort of shoved out. There's been attempts to shove us out. 
there's there's been dust-ups at the Women's March that somehow but Jewish... But that was, hey, that look, was you know what? different. Oh, it always is. That was because they were... But that was because they were trying to get the other people in charge to condemn. No. Uh, what to wrong. say that they didn't support Palestinian rights? No, wrong. You're wrong, and I'm out of time. No, I'm not wrong. You're I wrong. I'm out of time, and it's why I didn't want to bring this up in the first place because I get hot yeah. as hell on this because no, I, I feel I it in my gut. Okay, so. Go away. Show's over. See you all Monday. Bye. Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.